The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. I want to thank our sponsor right off the top. It's the all-inclusive the all-inclusive podcast. Of, I only say it every day. I should know it by now. The all-inclusive <laughs> podcast with, with Jay Ruderman. Find it anywhere you find your pods. Great stories, great inspiration. Now, this podcast is the pod where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city i have two great voices today they are friends of the podcast i love saying that because they've been on the show before and told their tale and now we have an update because when i have a great couple of great guests i always say hey you should return to the show because that's just something that that podcast hosts say but these fools actually took me up on it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I love them. They they have a great. They both have great individual stories that that have some similarities, and they both have books about to be launched. Please welcome to the virtual studios, Dan Junkins and Janet Shulton. They are here in the virtual studio. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Great. We're doing good. All right. Glad to see you again. Good to see you, and and I just because I love, I uh, really enjoyed our last chat, so I thought it would be natural to have you come back and certainly promote your books and talk about what's up. So give us, we'll start with you, Janet, give us a little background of why you wrote this book, which by the way is called Enchanted Wellness, How to Go from Hating Disease to Loving It, available, I'm going to guess it's available wherever you find your fine books, Amazon, Google Books, etc. Well, it will be eventually, but it's JanaSultan.com right now. So okay. that's for pre-launch news, essentially. Then we'll I'll let you know when it's going to be launched. So. Okay. So JanaSultan.com, and I believe your last name is spelled S-C-H-O-L-T-E-N. Is that right? Yes. All right. Thank Good. you. Good. Why I wrote the book? Because yeah, I technically should be in a wheelchair by now. At least that's what I was told in March of 2000. And I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and the doctor said, you're going to be disabled within 10 years. I was like, what? Mm. (laughs) So I decided to take my life by the bullhorns and I became a vegan triathlete meditation guru. And I visualized my way into true health. And today I'm in benign status and I'm drug free and I'm healthy endurance athlete. So, and so so how, so how are you feeling? Like really none worse for the wear, no symptoms or how you look great. No symptoms at all. Yeah. Um, the, the finally got the benign status after a decade of, um, being drug free and and healthy and it's just, and I haven't had any symptoms in over 10 years. So since 2007, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, so many people just said, I need to share my story and write a book. And I'm like, Oh, I don't like writing. (laughs) I'm an introvert. I'd rather hide behind the scenes than be in front of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I finally got over myself. And um, I've, I've been, <laughs> I, I probably said this the last time we spoke. I've been trying to write a book for about, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. <laughs> and um, yeah. 
I used, I used to be a writer. I wrote for Lawyers Weekly. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of columns, really enjoyed it. But the, wow. but the columns always had a deadline I had to meet, and they were only probably a 1,000 words max, mm. and then uh, you're done with it. So for some reason, it's a lot harder to do that like 100 times or whatever it is, 50 times, and get a book out of it. What did you find the time to do it? I would I would say COVID was was the, COVID helped <laughs> was the, the, the time to, yeah. that really helped it yeah very good yeah. and so the the book has your story are people going to be simply interested in the story are there is there advice that you actually dispense to people who might be going through someone something similar yeah I do I mean it's part memoir and then it's I would say part yeah, advice and the journey that I used and, and some keys to healing that I think that are crucial to, to healing. And Do any of them involve witchcraft? <laughs> no. Probably not. Okay, no. so good. That's a good start. <laughs> but no, I, I, I kid just because everyone's got their own story and, and, and depending upon who you listen to, you could go a dozen different ways in trying to heal and get better and feel better. What in a nutshell? What was the the key? Well, my why was was really huge. My, so my passion really for health and fitness. So when the doctor told me I'd be disabled within ten years, I was like, "You can't take that away from me." That's the only thing I was good at naturally growing up as a kid, and that I really had a passion for. So that my why was really huge, mm-hmm. and that was the biggest part. And the other thing that's really crucial, I would say, was mindset, having awareness and. I did a personal transformation course and that had me wake up and see that how I was being and how I was thinking wasn't really healthy for my mind or my body. So mindset was crucial as well. So you have the nerve to have a story of your own. I mean, the gall on this guy. And in some ways it, it sort of crosses over with Janice's story. In some ways it doesn't. So tell us, tell us your bit. Sure. So I, I, Jenna and I met in 2005. We married in 2006. I'm a long distance runner, athlete, pretty healthy guy, but I was witness to Jenna's transformation along the way and was really blown away and inspired. So one of the aspects about her healing was to shift to a plant-based diet. So I went along with that and I supported her and I was fascinated by it. Didn't expect I'd like it as much as I did. And then I was also working in a job where I wasn't too happy, but it was paying the bills, but I'd always been inspired to be a writer, but I never did anything about it. Like you said, you've been waiting 30 years. I've been doing the same thing, waiting about 30 years to do something like that. And then um, I got diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia in April of 2017, which came out of left field because there's no history of that in our family. I had no idea. I thought I was pretty darn healthy. It happened. And two weeks left to live. They, that, well, they told me, not him. Crazy. The, the doctors and nurses said something <laughs> to her, but thankfully they didn't say it to me until about a year later after <laughs> everything had calmed down. Yeah. So I, it was intrigued. It was, I mean, it was shocking. I mean, t- to get that news. I mean, you can't get around that. I'm sorry, but nobody can get around the shock of having those words be spoken to you. But I have to say that one of the things that really buoyed me up and really inspired me was the fact that Jana herself had healed and she had been healthy and well with a chronic condition, by the way. And so 
just being aware of that really gave me a hell of a boost mentally, knowing that I had my closest partner in my life had gone through something that nobody had expected. And I said to myself, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. So maybe the universe was just saying, well, we're going to play with you, Dan, and see if you can do the same thing. So I, the night before I was supposed to get the chemo, and, and they literally diagnosed me on a Thursday, and I started on chemo on a Saturday. And they told me that they were prescribing the toughest and strongest chemotherapy protocol there is in the cancer world. So the night before, after a long sort of pensive night and and being told I was going to start this chemo and being visited by Jen and my mom and my best friend that in the room, they all left. And I basically found myself with this mantra that started going through my head. Why it came into my head, I have no clue, but it was there and I finally wrote it down and it was a simple one. Just was dive into uncertainty with courage and surround myself and everyone with love. Now, it just sort of became a recurring theme. Those are, those are a lot of words to pop into your head at the same time. But. I know. <laughs> I, it was like like a lightning bolt or something. Who knows where the hell that thing came out of, but it, it showed up and it provoked me to, to sort of start gathering inspiring stories. And I, for whatever reason, I went on the internet and found this story about peacocks. I don't know why, but, right. you know, I'm kind of a, a guy that wings it on that stuff. So this story resonated. Hold on. I see what you did there. You winged it for the peacock. <laughs> where, where, I don't have a rim shot for you. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> So it was intriguing because I didn't know this about peacocks, but they they kill poisonous snakes and they eat them for like dessert. And so I, maybe we just sort of resonate with certain things, but it just resonated with me and had me see that I could relate to the chemo as like a peacock relates to poison like dessert. So they say, all right, but give me the dessert. I want some dessert. (laughs) They come out prettier. That's that's the whole key. Yeah, I figure I got to look good if I'm going into the chemo. I got to do something to make myself feel good and and look good. So started eating poisonous snakes. And yeah, that's it. With with whipped cream on because it's dessert. So yeah. So (laughs) when they they came in with the chemo, I told them, no, you got to go find the peacocks. (laughs) Don't go to me. (laughs) Right, right. So wait, what? Why do the peacocks? Eat? It's this is just something that they eat. Why? But why do you say dessert is the what's what's for dinner? Well, <laughs> well, surprisingly enough, from what I've read, is that they they love to eat trash and junk. Really? Um, yeah, it's <laughs> bizarre. But they they will do this. That poison and poison, poison, poison. They, and plants, plants too. Plants. So they're just like these junk eating birds that just <clears throat> love to just eat in the muck of it and they make these beautiful feathers so i figure if they can do it i can do it too ironic <laughs> ironic how proud they are given what they what they eat don't tell nbc any of this that you know their <laughs> cover will be blown oh that's true i never yes. thought about that that's right <laughs> they've got the service called peacock now the streaming service which um which, oh, do they really oh yeah no. yeah yeah the yeah, nbc's independent streaming service which i fell for and purchased of course is called peacock and the annoying thing is that the nbc logo has a peacock that's the famous animated uh, peacock the peacock logo doesn't have the peacock which is just confusing anyway we digress so the book is called peacocks poison and leukemia a life of vibrant health by dan junkins yes. 
And yes. where do or will people find your book? They would find it February. Well, right now you can go to danieljunkins.com okay. and they can sign up for the book launch. And it will eventually come out on Amazon on February 8th. And you have a free giveaway too. And I do have a free giveaway for people that do do that on uh, this tell, show. Tell us about the free giveaway. So it's basically 10 profound tips on living a vibrant health. I mean, Western medicine is great in finding things that can get you through some of the most traumatic moments, leukemia, but they don't really do much of it like a follow-up. They just check in and say, you good? Yep. But I wanted to provide something that people can sort of get their hands around. So I have like these 10 profound tips for healthy living that help people get through the the repercussions after chemotherapy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And is there a like a physical book launch party or something? Probably not, I'm going to guess. <laughs> not with Omicron. Not with no. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be virtual. 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 Anything, virtual. Yeah, virtual. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe we go to NBC and we do something. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> if people sign up for our, our uh, pre-launch, um, we have a different different giveaways that and different events that are ongoing and before the launch we have like a doctor hosted event and then we'll get that free pdf and we'll let people know when they get a free ebook days and things like that and i mean i have a my giveaway is for mindset hacks and also things in your cupboard that could be killing you so oh, now we're just scared that's- i know i know yeah that's <laughs> that's a that's a joke from an old snl sketch when jerry seinfeld was hosting he was playing a news anchor and he said there's something in your cupboard that actually might be a deadly poison we'll tell oh, you not- we'll tell you we'll tell you we'll, we'll tell you what it is after the <laughs> right. you gotta go to my website right. yeah right. Right. <laughs> right no so wait a minute what's kill what 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 is killing us give me an example canola oil things like really canola oil is no good no it's not very good for now oh okay damn it it's not even used in Europe. I got to so. tell tell my intern, Jimmy, different oil for the, pop, for the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, we eat these plant-based burgers, and we found out they're banned in Europe, and we're like, what? Really? We thought they were good. Anyway. Why are they banned in Europe? Because of the canola oil. Oh, there's canola oil in there. Okay. Jeez. All right. I need a new strategy for my popcorn now. Jeez, that's too bad. So, uh, so, so yes, it's Daniel Jenkins. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan, huh. DanielJunkins.com. Do I have that right that time? Okay. You got it right. And uh, JanaSholton.com to pre- – so you can go on and pre-order now? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, essentially okay. we'll yeah right. we'll have pre-launch and pre-launch news so we can pre-order when we get it up. Yeah. Did you have a big uh, – did you both have big photo shoots so you can be the author on the on the back of the book with, the, with your chin on your fist? Pensively looking into space. No. Ten years ago, when we were skinnier, <laughs> me anyway. Way to go! I, no, I, I got a lot of peacocks all over mine. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, question, question for you, Dan. The when someone gets sick, of course, it's always sad, and I think everyone. It, it, it's it's now just kind of a fact that everyone in their life has someone that has struggled with with cancer or in some form. And my question for you is. What did you appreciate from people around you? Because the the people that I've met who have been sick, most of them kind of, I don't know if they're actually deflecting help, but they 
they don't want pity, that's for sure, to the point where they're at, they're they're sometimes kind of sensitive about it. Almost like leave me alone. I've got this. What was your attitude? What what did you appreciate that people did and said to you when they found out? Well, I can tell you that Jenna's background is she she is a PR background. And marketing. So she yeah. she literally created a PR marketing campaign to get the word out about my what was going on with me. Mm. And the other thing is that I was unabashed and sort of sharing with people what's going on, but also I was just enjoying my time in the hospital, if you can believe it. And I think mostly it was because I really got off was, work. I wanted to get out of the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was almost like being in a five-star hotel because they gave me a really big hospital room. The nurses and the doctors <laughs> treated me really well. And I was really buoyed by a lot of the 987 people that Jana actually <laughs> found from all of our past communities of people and then getting calls and letters and emails and visits from classmates. former classmates from the class of 1980 from Deerfield mm-hmm. Academy, from wow. Yankee Candle Company when I was there back in the early 80s when it was just a tiny mom and pop shop. 40, 40 employees and just getting calls from them and visits from them, in fact. So it was it was very inspiring for me. I will say that it was a very different view from other patients where at times I would get shifted into rooms with other patients dealing with different blood cancers. And I vividly remember one patient who kept on saying every day, I don't want to be thought of as the cancer guy. I don't want this. I really don't want this. And he went from having Hodgkin's disease, getting over that, and then immediately being diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's disease. Oh, boy. A whole nother round. It was just interesting. It's kind of, I've heard this expression sometimes, that which you resist persists. Mm. And uh, I noticed that if, if one can just welcome the circumstances and allow for things to just play the way they should play out, you can move through things quite a bit faster than you realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jana, tell me about you in that regard when, when you told people that you were struggling with uh, your disease. What was your experience? I mean, honestly, the I would say the first few years I was probably normal, like everybody else didn't say a thing, or maybe I did to a few coworkers because I got calls at work. And and then after that, I mean, I thought I got fired because of that. So I like didn't say a thing to other people in my other jobs. Mm. I was like, I don't want to get fired, well, but you, I didn't. You got really, the law protects you. I know, I know, I know, but you make up stuff, right? Yeah. It was just, I did. I didn't like my boss, so that was really what's so. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, at first I was quiet, and then for a long time. I mean, after doing some transformational courses and self work, I realized I needed to communicate and tell people. So then I started like with a certain group of friends. I would just email and say, "Hey, I'm you know not feeling great today. Would you please send some good vibes?" And it actually it actually made a difference. It really did. And I know that they like the. I've read about the power of prayer and power of po- power of positive thoughts. It all makes a difference. And um, it really does. It didn't maybe help me get healed right away or get better right away, but I did feel better. And I think having that kind of support, I mean, really made a difference because some, if I was really bad with symptoms, people would bring me food and things like that. So community and communication really made a difference. Yeah. And it makes. It- I've always been cynical when I hear celebrities and athletes thanking God for their success because God doesn't care that you got 89 rushing yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. I don't, I don't think, I think God has more important things to take care of. So I've always been kind of like, however, 
However, there's a there's a great line in the movie Bull Durham where the Susan Sarandon character is in a relationship with the young pitcher played by Tim Robbins, her future husband in real life. And she is this kind of mystical person who tells him he should breeze through his eyelids and 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 wear and wear lingerie underneath his uniform for some reason. And there's a line in the movie later where Kevin Costner says if you if you're playing well and you believe and you think that you're playing well because of breathing through your eyelids or wearing women's underwear, then you are. You are. Because the, because the, you've even if you're sort of tricking yourself, you've found a way to get that positive energy. And with positive energy, you're going to do th- something, you know, better. If you, if you, I mean, if you, you know, take a basketball and you go, you think you're going to make the shot, there's a lot better chance you're going to make it than if you go, oh, I'm going to miss this one terribly. And that's, so I, I salute you for that. And we all need a little bit more of that, I think. So what have we left out before? We're going to take a break in a moment, and then we're going to do good stuff at the end where all three of us will recommend something good for you to check out. We talked about the book well, launch. Yeah, sorry, Dan, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say that along those same lines that you were talking about, visualization techniques are definitely something that were profound in Janice's own healing as well as mine. Yeah. I mean, I use visualization techniques prior to being diagnosed a lot of times i mean i did it with golf um i i would organize golf tournaments with friends and the night before i would literally al guyberger came out with a video called cybernetics mm-hmm. and i had it on vhs tape and i remember just playing it over and over and literally it was just showing him do shots multiple different times at different angles with the cameras and you're just watching it I had a friend who was a football player and he said the night before games, he would literally lie in bed and then tense up each muscle in his body, body starting in his toes and going all the way up to his head. And this guy was being written up in the newspapers weekly and monthly up back in the early sixties at UMass. So I just think that these techniques are profound. They work. It, it happens. It works. Visualizing. I, I get why that works. When when baseball players are a slump, they will sh- they will look at old videos of themselves when they're hitting well, and just say, oh, "That's yeah. what that's what I was." And maybe it's a little cock of the bat this way or that way, or you're putting your foot in the wrong place, and you see it, and then you do it. But can you do that? Can you do that in a symbolic way as well? Can you visualize yourself happy? And yeah, just imagine feeling how you want to feel, the kind of things you want to be doing. Like I would. When I was really had symptoms of MS, I would visualize myself running across a certain bridge that I loved. And I knew that was a six mile run, you know, things like that. I mean, and then I would visualize happy, healthy, healing cells in my brain. I get a picture of some cells and just, you know, imagine them. Share that story about you. You had, you gave yourself three months and you visualized. Oh, what well, was determined by it. Cause I had an MRI scheduled, which was an annual thing that that's how they measure MS. And so I had an MRI scheduled and I, I knew that I had like three months to visualize and, and shrink the lesions in my brain. That was my intention. And so I just, I went to bed every, before I went to bed every night, I would visualize happy healing cells. And I, in this movie, what the bleep, down the rabbit hole they have this scene of of the girl looking at the mirror and her cells inside are like jumping up and down or like all happy and stuff and so i would visualize that and so that was that was my go-to plus it was a a cd that i was listening to that 
made a difference on you know, how to how to get into that space. You meditate first, and then so you can quiet your brain down, and then go into the visualization state. So and then three and then three later. months later, I had an MRI, and the doctor was like, "What? Well, your lesions have shrunk? What? What? Wow! This is amazing! Uh, yeah, it's it amazing." Works. So I visualized myself in a canoe floating down a river, smoking a cigar, and eating an enormous banana split. As that makes me happy. And then, then I'm there. Oh, that's good. I'm there. I don't even, so, you know, it's a good, it's a good advice for dieting too. Just imagine, yeah. imagine the banana split. Don't, don't necessarily eat it all the time. Anyway, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in less than one minute, I promise, and do some good stuff with Dan and Jana. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Jay Rudiman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. Well, we promised to run. I forgot to turn my mic on. This is the kind of day I'm having. We promised a round of good stuff, so let's get into it right now. Oh, that's the good stuff. told my guests that they needed a uh, submission for good stuff today. And at first they both had nothing. And now they each have like seven things to tell us or something. <laughs> um, or however many you want. One's the minimum. But Dan, why don't you go first? I have a restaurant and a really good TV show. The restaurant is an Indian restaurant called Mas- Masala Bay out in Littleton, Massachusetts. It's absolutely phenomenal. Great food, great service, highly recommended. What? Um, What's your go-to? Yeah, it's a, a cauliflower dish. Yeah, it's a, there's a cauliflower dish. Just ask for the cauliflower dish. It's phenomenal. Okay. And I don't mean to crap on your point, but I saw a funny, I saw a funny meme today that said, I, I just learned that they're making waffles out of cauliflower. If you give me a waffle made out of cauliflower, I will murder you. However, at Masala Bay in Littleton, Mass., I'm sure the cauliflower dishes are delicious. Very good. And what yeah. uh, what TV show did you want to recommend? Mike Barnacle has two sons who are documentary experts, and these guys created a fantastic documentary on the heist of the Isabella Gardner Museum. It's phenomenal. Got to check it out. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen it myself. If it's the one I'm thinking of, and yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It is excellent because I remember growing up hearing the stories and actually going to the Isabella Gardner Museum and seeing where the paintings used to be. They they would have these eerie little signs that says "stolen 1980 whatever." And I, I forget what. It was. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, we just went. Yeah, we just we went, went to the Isabella for, just a for the days holidays ago. with yeah. my family. And yeah, they still haven't found them, right? Nope. Nope. They're what? hanging on somebody's wall. That's what I think. Crazy. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's listen to just maybe sixty seconds of the trailer for oh, good. this is a robbery. Here. Wait, can you guys see it? No? Uh I see you. I think I did I don't I think I did it wrong. 
Oh, okay. God. This is, I'm in Zoom hell. All right, here we go. Now you can see it, right? Well, but I, now I forget if I hit the volume thing. Oh, boy. All right, this is Zoom 101. Well, I'm not really used to Zoom. I rarely use it. Kidding. Right, okay. Finally, here it is. Have you seen these paintings? They're worth half a billion dollars, and they disappeared 30 years ago. Whoever finds them will receive a $10 million reward. But let's go back to the beginning. Isabella Stewart Cotton Museum was a artist's delight. Millions of dollars worth of artwork. Rembrandt, Degas, Vermeer... St. Patty's Day, 1990. Two men dressed as police officers show up at the door. And they say very dramatically, gentlemen, this is a robbery. There's no shortage of possible suspects. Boston was so wild west. The two front runners, well, the Italian mob, well, the Irish mob. Hey, how you doing? The mafia knew that having a stolen masterpiece is a get-out-of-jail-free card. The feds mm. will deal with you. They'll let you out of jail. An easy, easy score, as they say on the street. So that gives you enough of a taste of it. The first female voice you hear there was uh, my old friend, Shelly Murphy, former reporter at the the Boston Globe. Great. She's terrific, yeah. she's. It's There's nothing like a documentary where everyone has a Boston accent. Like, yeah, and everybody they, knows everybody, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Billy was working that night, and they came by dressed. Can you believe they were dressed as cops? So uh, that's a great one. Jenna. Mine is a, it's my recommendations are a food restaurant. It's a plant-based restaurant. It's called True Bistro. It's in Somerville in Teal Square. Just, we went there over the holidays. It was simply delicious, really gourmet. My sister is not plant-based and she was really impressed and, and impressed by it. So it takes a lot to, to impress her. So tell me the, the dessert you got. Oh, um, blood orange. oh, blood orange cheesecake. It's only in Ooh. season in January and February. So go get it. Go get it. While it's still there. Anyway, that's that was really. So everything still tastes good, even though it's. My sister can impress anybody. Cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a say. there's a plant-based restaurant opening in, in my town in Sharon Center. And I'll give it a try. Just just because. But but, but say it again, Jana. The restaurant you recommended was? Oh, Tr- True Bistro. True Bistro. Right. Very good. Yeah. Movie. It's a documentary. It's a short documentary. It's about uh, mental health and it's about dork dancing. Mm-hmm. It's really to inspire and, and bring some joy to people, even if they're locked up or hiding out kind of thing and uh, or might be dealing with different things. But it's a very inspiring documentary. Is this the whole thing we're looking at? Only 18 minutes or no? There's, there's a longer version. No, that's that's the whole thing. That's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, so it's on it's on YouTube. It's called Dork Dancing, a mental health story. And I guess I could play some of this, let's see. Mentally. I was first in All right. It's always great when you play a clip and there's no dialogue. It's just music. <laughs> just imagine the ocean. Wait a minute, there's dialogue I didn't coming. Know what mental illness was or that you can become sick mentally? I was first introduced or became curious about mental health when I lost my mental health. So I'm diagnosed as bipolar. I I was given that diagnosis when I turned 19 years old after I experienced what was called an episode of mania. And that experience led me to the psychiatric hospital and I had some delusional thinking and an experience of psychosis and all these things. I had no idea what was what was going on 
the closer I got to the hospital, the scarier things got. Just like everything was threatening. So I was so overwhelmed by I'll take it down there, but there was a, a shot here that we saw of people dancing kind of fancifully. I'm confused because dork dancing is the only kind of dancing I know how to do as far as I know. But I, I You're think, an expert. <laughs> hey, leave the jokes to me. No, but yes, thank you, Dan. So I take it that, that that's part of the the healing therapy is to get your yayas out, as the Rolling Stones would say, and, and, and yeah. dance around like that. Is that what it's yeah. about? Yeah. Very, very Finding good. It, yeah. Ex- excellent recommendations both. Find that on YouTube, Dork Dancing, a mental health story. So I'm going to do something very narcissistic and self-serving and recommend a, a different podcast, but one that I co-host. It's called oh. it's called uh, Past Tens, a Top Ten Time Machine. You can find it on at timemachinepod.com. That's timemachinepod.com. My college buddy Milt and I go go back in time and we you know play all kinds of sound effects and that fun and go to and look at the music of the day like we just oh. we just recorded one from 1986 and so you're talking like uh, there's a there was a Mr. Mr. song on there there oh, was yeah. a Lionel Richie song and it's just fun to go back but as as a kind of interesting footnote to the thing we, there's there's a dark side to the podcast, and that is that we we found we've developed this habit of mentioning some famous person involved in the world of music or entertainment on the podcast, and then notice they would die shortly after we posted the podcast. So it's okay to laugh at it because we don't really think we're killing these people, but we're a little afraid. And so I kid you not, there's a so we lost the iconic actress, of course, Betty White, on the last day of 2021. Just days earlier, just days earlier, we had posted a podcast, and I'm going to play a clip of a conversation that Milton and I had. Here it is. What were you saying about Betty White? Betty White, you you saw everywhere, like, until recently. Now you don't see her anywhere. So I'm officially worried about Betty White. Well, I mean, it's okay. She's 99 years old. She'll I, well, be 100 in January. Well, maybe that's, I mean, my parents are 80 and 81, and they're sitting at home Watching that Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin show. What's that called? Grace and Frankie. Anyway, so Betty White is going to dance on all of our graves. I think. Did oh, I, I, and I hope she does. She's fantastic. I think She's I've mentioned. I think I've mentioned this factoid on the pod before. So pardon me, listeners, but it's worth repeating. Martin Luther King Jr. and Anne Frank were born the same year, which just in a vacuum is kind of interesting. Yeah. Betty White was already seven years old that year. <laughs> wow wow so, yeah. all right boy again our podcast jinx hopefully doesn't spread here but with this one you'd almost yeah, it, does it count for people who are no, uh, i don't think so unless it's tomorrow then i'll feel bad right and we do feel bad because <laughs> betty died shortly after that oh, no. <laughs> i know i know but somewhere i think betty is laughing at us that's what i was just gonna say yeah <laughs> Yeah, she's it was, knowing her, she it, would laugh. Exactly, it was kind of uh, the last joke she she played on us. Maybe not the last joke. Who knows? She lives among us, Betty White. I don't yes. mean I don't mean she's a zombie. I mean that uh, we'll always remember her. <laughs> At any rate, I remind you all to get on the list to pre-order the book from Dan Junkins. It is called Peacock's Poison and Leukemic. Leukemia, go to DanielJunkins.com to pre-order. And, of course, Enchanted Wellness, How to Go from Hating Disease to Loving It by Jana Shulton. Go to JanaShulton.com and get on the stick. 
How is that for promotion, guys? I'll promote TimeMachinePod.com as well. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. See? This this is how it works. This is how it works. We'll, we'll talk about peacocks on the podcast if it makes you happy, Dan. Anything. For That's another, great. For another we can talk about junk and trash and poison. There you go. That's that's right. All the things that make life great. Thanks so much to my guests. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Another thanks to our sponsor, the All-Inclusive Podcast with Jay Ruderman. And by the way, if you want your own podcast, kids, you could be the next big podcast star. Go to pod617.com to get started. You can record it remotely from the comfort of your home. We'll send you out a good microphone, or you can do it here in our Westwood Mass Studios. On behalf of Dan and Jana and all the peacocks out there, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. I'm